Hey friends, before we start this episode, I want to jump on for just a second and let you know about two things that I think are going to be very timely for this critical season that our entire world is going through right now. Obviously, with the coronavirus crisis that's taking place in our country and has now hit really close to home for many of us, there's a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. And so we as a ministry want to respond to that by helping to continue to equip you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And there are a couple of things that as a ministry we have been planning for and preparing for, but feel like we need to go ahead and release quickly because it's poised for a time such as this. First of all, our community groups. We have mentioned these briefly, but these are targeted groups catered to the specific trial that you are walking through. I know when I lost my late wife, Amanda, I wanted to talk to somebody else who had walked that valley or was currently walking the specific valley of being a young widower. I wanted to know that my life wasn't over, that I was going to be able to emerge from this, that I was going to be able to figure out how to be a single dad, uh, as well as potentially have a meaningful marriage again. And so I needed to talk to other people who are walking that valley. And this is something that we are hearing from many of you guys as well. You're asking, can you connect us with people who are walking a similar valley to me? Now we have the opportunity for you to do that with our Nothing is Wasted community groups. We were going to launch these in June, and now we are launching them early because of this coronavirus. Because right now we're sensing that everybody is needing hope more and everybody is needing community more. And that's what these community groups offer. So on April 2nd, we will be launching these community groups. That's right. In one week, April 2nd, we're launching these community groups. If you're interested in joining a group, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. If it's Past April 2nd, when you're listening to this, you'll be able to join a group. If it is before April 2nd, sign up to receive a special invite when these groups launch, and we would love to help serve you in this way. Secondly, we have been brainstorming about some ways that we can meet some immediate needs with some additional content. The episode that you're about to hear right now was recorded a while ago. We wanted to continue our regular schedule of releasing episodes, but we want to add some more content. So if you go to nothingiswasted.com slash live stream, nothingiswasted.com slash live stream, you're going to see a splash page there to talk about five live stream video podcast episodes that we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. These podcast episodes are going to be webinar style, so you'll have to register for these, but they'll be on demand later. So you have to register to attend the webinar or the live stream podcast live, and in it you'll be able to have an opportunity to ask some questions of the panelists. We're bringing on some really special guests for all of these different topics, talking about how to stay spiritually healthy, how to stay emotionally healthy, how to stay financially healthy in all of this crisis, talking about how to help pastors and church leaders navigate this crisis, and also how to help specifically moms as you guys are trying to figure out how to keep your household in harmony while the kids are here at home during this coronavirus and however long this season lasts. So go to nothingiswasted.com slash live stream and you'll be able to register for the five different live stream video podcasts that we're bringing your way over the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much, guys, and I hope you enjoy the episode today. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. 
Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host, and joining me, our guest co-host for March, Justine Frolker. Justine, so great to have you. I can't believe it's my last one. I know. It's kind of sad. I'm kind of bummed. I know. This is the thing that I'm lamenting <laughs> about this guest co-host thing is like, we really get in a role. We kind of get to right. know, we get to learn each other. We're starting to have some chemistry, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, that was it. On to the Party's next. Over. Thanks for your gifts. <laughs> <laughs> so my my Enneagram Wing Four could bring out some kind of like, well, that's kind of life. Life is in seasons, and I'm not going to go Very there true. though. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> We've got an awesome interview today with um, so Patrick good. Gray and Justin Skisuk. But before we kind of talk about that, because this is your last episode with us, I just want to, I want to make sure our listeners can follow what you're doing and, and they can interact with you and then even be able to uh, interact with your services and the things that you're providing, the voice that you're bringing to this world. So talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about where can we follow the stuff that you're doing? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, pretty easy to find on all the platforms because I have this weird name. There's no other <laughs> Justine Frolker. I always tell people like, no, you find me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to find Kelly Smith. So, but I share, I share courage yeah. and teaches on all the platforms. So LinkedIn, obviously I keep it a little bit more business, but I keep mm. getting all these comments from LinkedIn. Like, do you write your own content? This is really good. And it's like, yeah, because I'm not just like bragging about what I'm doing next. I'm not, I I really truly use yeah. um the social media platforms to serve the you're world. Like value. on Insta, yeah, 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 on value. Like Instagram on my stories, like I will always be like, okay, you're of service for the day today mm. is this. And I really just kind of pray and listen to what God wants me to share on the social media platforms. And I've had a very mixed you know, relationship with social media because of my own story of infertility. Mm, like when you yeah. can't have children, social media can be a landmine. Yeah, and so for sure. I've really done that work to make it part of my healing and not part of my demise. Oh, and so great. I love sharing just how to really implement the work of courage and wholehearted living and shame resilience mm. um, in video teaches and my posts. And of course, obviously, if you find me, you'll get um, some ridiculous puppies. And I also raise butterflies, which is crazy. <laughs> totally make you remember that God sent us butterflies to remind us of how resilient we are. So oh, I love um, that. I love yeah, that. It's, I, that have, I always have people, people are like, you have a very interesting life. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that, what's so funny about, uh, you mentioned butterflies. We take our kids to the zoo and that is the, what, that's the one exhibit that they like, they don't want to see anything out. They want to see the butterflies. Awesome. I'm like, I love it. You guys have to come to St. Louis I and know. during season because hundreds of butterflies and caterpillars in my kitchen. And they and they have an amazing zoo. Yeah. Oh, we understand. have one of the best it's zoos. Like the, and one it's of the free. best in the country. That's so true. Well, it's free. We'll definitely we'll definitely have to make that happen for sure. Um, but you know, th- this interview I know particularly spoke to you yeah. because it, it it's very much aligns with your own story. Talk to me a little bit about how this interview impacted you. So good. Well, Patrick and Justin, this this friendship through suffering, a long-term yeah. friendship through yeah. hard stuff, right? Really hard stuff. And so, you know, I when I was young, I um I had two back surgeries in high school. So I was in a body cast mm. for six months, each surgery. And so I had friends that I literally had friends who said, like, I cannot sit beside you. This is too hard for me. And wow. they hightailed it out, right? Wow. Like Cause it is, it's difficult. And I, and little did I know that that was kind of this preparation for my life, you know, 20 years later as a, a woman who has to go through infertility treatments and the, the, the statistic of 
it doesn't work. We didn't yeah. get what we wanted and what mm. we paid for. And so this, this element of how do we friend well through yeah. difficult times? Like, yeah. and for me, it's, it, it bottoms, it, the bottom line is teaching the skill of empathy. empathy. It's teaching yeah. the skill of how, like Jesus sat at the well with the woman and mm. saw her. Yep with love and compassion in her struggle, sat with her beside her, right? Yeah. Like, and we need to learn how to do that, that I don't need you to have gone through the exact same situation that I am going through for you to identify right. with the emotions that are underneath it. You are a human being with feelings. Therefore, you are equipped to be empathic mm. and you still have to choose it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, this is something that you talk about quite a bit in our conversation in episode 88. So make sure if you haven't listened to that, that you go back and listen to Justine's story and her talk on this idea of empathy. It's so huge because it is the, I believe, underlying characteristic of, of being a great friend. Because again, you don't have to, you don't have to fully understand what somebody's going through to be able to go through it with them. No. Um, but it's imperative to walk through things with people if you're going to be a great friend. I mean, if you're going to keep right. surface level, shallow relationships, fine. When things get tough, walk away. But more often, right. more often than not, what we've discovered as we are working with people who have gone through crisis or trauma or trial, they, the crisis hits their life. And that is one level of difficulty that they're having to deal with. But almost inevitably, there's a second layer that ends up ensuing immediately after, and that is the loss of community. Absolutely. Because their friends, whom they thought, or at least they thought they were their friends, mm -hmm. uh, did not know how to relate to them in that season. Mm -hmm. Right. Did not know and how to sit with them. It, right. And it's it's it really boils down to the superpower of empathy mm. and vulnerability. Like, yeah. I need you to lean into being, being uncomfortable with me yeah. while I'm in pain and struggle. I don't need you to get in the hole with me. I need you to sit beside me. Wow. And I need you to also do it without a simple solution it's or a quick yep. fix. That's right. Well, and I think if people would understand that you don't have to have a solution, I think no. if they would get that, it would it would it would almost empower you to to walk, to step into that and lean into that a little bit more because I think one of the things, not it's not always the case, but one of the things that makes people averse to sitting with people as they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't have the right answer. I don't right. have the right. And, and what I say, then you say that. Yeah. This is really hard. This yeah. is so brutal. I'm so glad you told me and I have no idea yeah. what to say. That's so I'm good. here. That and then so you show good. up and you show up in the way that you show up with your giftings. Yeah. You don't need the words. Your words won't fix it anyways. Right. Right. Wow. I was talking with someone, a gal that we're, we're coaching right now, and this is kind of her story a little bit, this loss of community. And it, it dovetails so much in her story with community in the church and just how the church right now is not, as a whole, is not equipped well with this skill of empathy. No, they're not. They do not no. know how to help just, you know, because we, we put on the show on the weekends, mm -hmm. we're like, you know, it's mm -hmm. this gathering spot, it's great, but we're losing because of the, sometimes the corporate nature of the Big C Church. We're losing sure. the skill of familial relationship. The fact mm -hmm. that the church is called to be a family that walks with people through thick and thin, no matter what takes place and empathizes with them. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is huge for the church to understand. I think that we can learn a whole lot from this conversation with yes. Patrick and with Justin, I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, um, in just a second, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this interview. Before we do, 
I want to make sure that I point your attention to iTunes and ask that you rate and review the podcast. Unashamedly, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. this. There's a couple of reasons why. One, it encourages us. When we read your review, oh my gosh, we read them consistently. And there are days, to be honest with you, there are days when we're doing this, when you're constantly dealing with pain and, and suffering mm-hmm. and wrestling through that kind of stuff with other people, it can get discouraging. And it's yeah. so... It's like that little message of keep going. Yep. Like, you, the, even the that's one exactly is enough. It. Like, keep going. Oh, I, I literally have a folder in my email inbox called encouragement. I love it. Every Me time too. somebody writes something that's encouraging in, I slide it over into that encouragement folder. I pull it out when I need it on a bad day. I'll go through the reviews and I'll read reviews when I'm, when I'm going through a bad love day that. and the Lord just keeps going to keep going, keep going. So write that review, mm-hmm. rate this, but also this helps to, to gain the podcast more exposure so that more and more people can, can get this healing. So if this has impacted you, if this has ministered to you, uh, do us a favor, rate and review this. We're trying to get to a thousand ratings. We're going to get to a thousand. We're getting there. We're yeah, getting there. We're I believe get it. To a thousand. Yeah. And so you guys can help us do that. It would be great. Yeah. You can also help us by heading over to Instagram and following us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, because again, God will use your like, your share yeah. that you put out into the world. It will reach the right person. We can trust God with that. And without further ado, we're going to head into Patrick and Justin's interview and listen to their incredible story and friendship. Justin, Patrick, so great to have you guys on the podcast with me. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Well, tell our listeners a little bit. Where are you guys, uh, where, where are we doing this from? Where are you guys? Where do you live? Tell us a little bit about your families. <laughs> yeah, well, we, Pat and I, we live in Eagle, Idaho, so just outside of Boise. And we live about two miles from each other. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, we're, we're very, very close in uh, proximity. We see each other like literally every day. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. We do. Um, no, yeah, we, we work together. We are in the same small group of church. We go to the same church. So we travel, you know, for, for work, you know, we're doing speaking, that kind of thing. So there's times we'll like be eyeball to eyeball. 20, 25 days in a row. That's, uh, that's yeah. a test sometimes. I bet. <laughs> yes. Well, you guys must like each other because, I mean, from what I understand, this has been basically your whole lives. I mean, you guys have been yeah. connected for mm-hmm. so much yeah. of your lives. Tell me a little bit about that. Let's, let's backtrack and talk to me about this friendship that has developed. Yeah, so I'll probably kick it off. Um, so Patrick and I have known each other literally our whole lives. We were born just over 36 hours apart in the same hospital in the same town. Uh, so there hasn't been a day where we haven't known each other. And uh, we always say it gets a little creepy on people when we tell we tell this, but we are be even beyond us, it goes way back. Like our moms have known each other since fourth grade, went to fourth grade church camp together. Wow. Uh, our parents went to college together. And then... You know, we also found out when we were writing our first book that my great uncle was best man in Patrick's grandfather's wedding. So, yeah, really. <laughs> this is this is a very yeah. rural area that you guys live in, then, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was going to ask: so, Is this true? To, is this true to form? Small when it comes town, to small town farming community. That's where we grew up. So, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, we they, we've known each other for forty four years now. Man, uh, so it's been a long time. That's incredible. Wow. So one of the, one of the things I love about um, your story is, you know, Justin, you were diagnosed 
somewhat early on in your life with um, a degenerative disorder. And um, can you explain a little bit of that for us? Explain kind of leading up to that, you know, did you, did you have symptoms of it beforehand? How did all of that transpire? Yeah, so I was just shy of my 16th birthday. And I was, um, you know, I grew up as I think pretty much most people do as just a kid running around doing playing sports and being a kid. And all was kind of well until just shy of my 16th birthday, driving from our hometown to a nearby town uh, to play in a basketball tournament. And a friend of mine who was uh, driving his truck uh, ended up rolling it on the freeway, going about 80 miles an hour. And uh, I actually walked away from the accident. It was a crazy car accident, just rolled it many times and, and thinking I was through the worst of it, you know. But about, I think about six months later, I was uh, playing soccer, running down the soccer field, and I noticed my left foot wasn't working the way that it normally should. Mm. And it didn't hurt or anything. It just didn't work. It was, uh, so I you know, brought it to my parents' attention and went to go see a doctor, and he was completely stumped and ended up going to see a neurologist and through a myriad of testing that I went through, just a bunch of stuff over the course of several years. Uh, by the time I was probably in my early 20s was when I was finally diagnosed with, uh, it's called multifocal acquired motor axonopathy. Uh, I know oh, it's a mouthful, yeah. but they call it MAMA for short, M-A-M-A. And it's almost identical to ALS, like Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, so wow. the prognosis is is very, very, uh, it's pretty much the same, except for my lifespan is uh, longer. Mm. So it's not as aggressive and there's some nuances to the disease, but it just my, something in my autoimmune system attacks my nervous system and then my nervous system shuts down. So just like ALS, uh, you know, there's really no cure for it. Uh, I can feel everything from head to toe, just my muscles don't work the way that they should. So, uh, those of you who are listening, you know, I live life in a power wheelchair, I'm not able to feed myself, uh, get my clothes on, you know, bathe, eat, or, uh, yeah. you know, pretty much every aspect of my life I'm, I'm cared for. Uh, so from the moment I get up until I go to bed at night. And so, you know, it's, uh, made life interesting mm. as you can imagine. And it shaped the way that I see life, uh, definitely, but I've been very, very blessed. I have, you know, not only my lifelong friendship with Patrick, but also my wife, you know, met mm. my wife and she knew full well what she was getting into when she married me. So um, just very blessed that I'm still alive and I got air in my lungs and, you know, I drive people nuts. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, life is uh, not a perfect road. It yeah. has its ups and downs and it's definitely throwing me some curveballs for sure. Wow. Justin, you know, right now, I mean, I hear so much uh, positivity and hope that comes out of your mouth and you know even as you're sharing this but I know that that that's come with years and years and years of wrestling through probably quite a bit can mm. you do you, can you remember when you first received this diagnosis I mean my, my wife's a PA and she um, she was in a room where a, a man was receiving a diagnosis of ALS and she came back th to you know the house that night and she was just distraught she was like I can't believe like having to break this news to this, mm -hmm. this guy and just the heaviness of that. Um, you know, I'll be transparent. I didn't, before we jumped on this interview, I didn't understand the nature of, 
uh, what you have been diagnosed with either. And so, you know, even that just kind of sits with some heaviness. But here I am, I'm seeing this guy who's got hope and resilience in his voice. And, and um, but I'm sure that there's been some wrestlings that, that have transpired from the time you got the diagnosis to now. Can you tell me maybe immediately after getting that diagnosis, how it began to set in for you? Yeah. Um, you know, early on, you know, being so young in my early twenties, a lot of it was just trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, when you're dealing with a disease like mine, especially it's progressive neuromuscular disease, eventually it will take my life. Um, you're really trying, I mean, in the earlier stages, you're just really trying to figure out how, what, okay, where are we going with this and where, what's the trajectory mm. here? Um, and it's more or less a process of elimination, trying to figure that out. I mean, I was actually diagnosed with ALS before my final diagnosis. So, mm. I mean, I remember very clearly sitting, I mean, I was, you know, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, sitting in a doctor's office by myself. Like I'm down in California. My parents are uh, in Idaho or Eastern Oregon. And I had nobody with me. I'm just sitting on this doctor's table, you know, on the, the counter and, you know, the doctor says, I think you have ALS and I think you got about four years to live. And, you know, I remember very clearly thinking like, what, like, whoa, like, how do you process that? Yeah, how how right. do you, how do you have somebody sitting across the table saying that to you? Um, part of me, I just knew deep down he wasn't right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there was something obviously going on with me, but I don't, I wasn't. I knew something wasn't quite, I know he wasn't, ah, this wasn't the right fit. Um, just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit for ALS patients typically don't have, you know, especially early in their early twenties. I mean, it's very, very rare for that yeah. to happen. So um, part of it was, I may be a little bit of denial, I guess. Mm. Uh, but after that kind of went through that process of, okay, well, if I do have four years to live, five, whatever that is, then, all right, let's, let's, I'm going to live it out the right. best that I can. Right. You know, I guess what else do you have to do? I mean, there's two roads, you know, you can go down. I think most people kind of come to this, especially if you're dealing with a diagnosis, such as, such as heavy as like ALS or some other terminal disease, you can either curl up in a ball and shut yourself away, or you can just, all right, clock's ticking. Yeah. Let's, make the best of it and i just chose to at that time all right let's just make the best of it and do what i can and i'll live as long as i can and i'll mm -hmm. do as much as i can to keep moving forward and but i knew that i couldn't do it alone there's absolutely no way mm -hmm. i could do it alone and that's where you know patrick really stepped in he stepped in to you know surround me and, and say yeah man like we're gonna do this together and i'm gonna i got your back so whatever we got is whatever we got. And I got your back. And, you know, and a couple of years later, I ended up meeting my wife and, you know, she said, all right, if I got a couple of years and I got a couple of years, let's go. Like, let's make the best of it. So, wow. um, luckily I'm very, uh, blessed that, uh, you know, I've, I was born and raised in a church family and that's been huge for me. Yeah. That big cornerstone for me is being reliant uh, not reliant, but having that as uh, another kind of a uh, thing to lean on yeah. for me. It's mm -hmm. not just friends and family. It's a church family. It's a church body that surrounded me. 
But I had to, at that time, really kind of figure out, all right, where are we going to go with this? And you just kind of get up the next day and you pull your bootstraps up and let's go. Let's make the best of it. That's all I can say. Well, I really want to, I want to spend some time kind of camping out about uh, on the friendship that you and Patrick developed in all of this. But before we, before I kind of shift there, I'm really curious as to, you you brought up the, the topic of faith and your church family and what kinds of, what kinds of wrestlings did this cause in you with the Lord? I mean, what, 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 what did this do in terms of your faith? Because many people, as they go through suffering or trial, especially one for you, that looks like, man, this, there doesn't, based on this diagnosis, there's not like a, I'm not going to like, I'm not, it's not cancer that I could potentially beat and get better. This is not a, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of recover from this. This is something that's going to be this mm-hmm. progressively degenerative thing that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life and it's going to worsen. How did, mm-hmm. how did that get, you know, as you're wrestling with that and your faith and your, and with the Lord? What, what, what began to kind of come out of that in your own heart? Um, I would say, I mean, I've had definitely have had moments of pure, like, I mean, anger, I've had frustration, I've had joy within it. I've had, um, many moments of wanting to put my head through a wall of um, trying to figure out, okay, what, okay, <laughs> how am I going to? How am I going to get through this? And it's been, it's evolved over time. I mean, as I've lose, lost, I'm not lost, as I've lost the function to, to walk, I mean, I can't walk anymore. I've had to give up driving. I've had to give up playing guitar that I loved. I've had to give up art, you know, actually painting and drawing, those kind of things. So I can't use my hands anymore. Uh, things I've had to let go of a lot of things. And, you know, you naturally just want to just think that, you know, God is doing this to me mm. to teach me some sort of lesson. Mm. Um, and you, you, you can get hung up on that. I mean, we we're actually just talking about that in our life group, like a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago about suffering. What does that look like? And does, does God actually do that to you? Is, mm. is God up there, you know, waving a wand down at a certain amount of us and saying, yep, you're going to suffer for the rest of your life. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the God that I believe in at least is, you know, up there just wanting to inflict pain and suffering on me just to make him, you know, laugh or to make him happy. I think it's just a part of life that we live with. Mm. And in reality, at least the way that I see it, it's an opportunity for God to shine. Mm. It's an opportunity for, for your faith to bolster. It's an opportunity for others to come into your path, into your journey, to show you what God intended our communities to be. And and it took me a while to get there. I mean, I have, you know, I've had moments of anger and I've had deep depression. I mean, I've had suicidal tendencies. I've had, I mean, I've been through the gamut of, of things. I mean, thank God I have didn't, you know, act out on those things, but you know, I can understand very wholeheartedly how somebody can deal with such a hard thing, whether if it's, uh, you know, a disease or a loss of a child or, you know, some other um, insurmountable challenge in somebody's life that your faith can be wavered immensely. Mm -hmm. Um, I deal with that continually still. 
it's a journey. It's a process. It's not like I've just checked it off and like, yep, I'm good. You know, no, it's like mm. every week, every day is a challenge for me. And I have to get up and go, okay, all right, God, this is the path that I'm on. Then show me the way, yeah. show me what you want out of this and being willing to rest in that, wow. uh, be willing to not have the answers, but just kind of keep moving forward and trusting my heart and trusting where I feel God wants me to be. And that's taken me places I never thought I wow. could go without a doubt. Wow. Well, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that a couple of the things that really helped to bolster you in this whole, um, this whole journey was, you know, one, obviously your, your wife meeting you, knowing this, this prognosis and yet saying, Hey, I'm going to be in this with you to the two. The other thing you mentioned was your friendship with, with Patrick and, um, how that all developed and he, you know, making this intentional point to say, Hey, we're gonna do this together. I don't, you know, come hell and high water. This is what we're gonna, I'm going to be with you in this. Um, Patrick, can you kind of speak to that when, you know, what was your, what was your relationship with each other? What was it like prior to 16 years old when you're beginning to feel these symptoms and, and then what was it like for you to see your friend kind of start undergoing this? And, um, you know, what was happening inside of you during all that? Sure. You know, well, as kids, we, we were kids, you know, we just do, do our thing, having fun, you know, I mean, riding bikes, playing the dirt, that kind of thing. And so that's kind of where our, our friendship started was just those shared experiences yeah. and, you know, close proximity and time. Uh, but by the time we got to high school, you know, we were pretty tight, uh, spent a lot of time together. And, uh, while I was you know, playing football and baseball, Justin's playing soccer, and when this first, this first happened, when Justin first started having symptoms, you know, we, we didn't have any really kind of perspective of what it, this would, you know, would, would be like. Yeah. It's suddenly there's this little bit of loss of function in his foot. We're attributing it to the car accident. We thought maybe he struck his leg on the gear shift and there was just some nerve damage that, you know, was permanent, but that was it. When he took off to college, uh, I mean, we, we, I remember last summer before we uh, went off to our separate ways, he went to San Diego to Point Loma and I stayed up in the Northwest at uh, Northwest Nazarene College at the time. So we're going to be about a thousand miles apart. Uh, that's really when there started to be a little more progression. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong on some of these, these time frames as far as your progression, because it kind of gets blurred together. But, you know, we'll start off as one foot, soon was two, you know, now on both sides are affected. Now we know that there's something progressive going on, but we don't know what it is. And I was doing my best to be supportive as you know, from a long ways away. And, and really the best way I could do that is just be intentional with the phone calls and the time. Mm -hmm. And Justin was very uh, uh, good at doing the same thing. So when it wasn't phone calls, you know, he would come up for his spring break. I would go down for my spring break. Christmas breaks were together. And so we're kind of walking different journeys that we have, whether it's just a disease or just the challenges of school and whatever it might be together. And we didn't understand at that time. I mean, it took a lot of time, actually, probably 10, 15 years later, where we started to see that our relationship was something unique mm -hmm. because we'd always had it. Yeah. We had no perspective that what we had is something that someone else thinks is almost alien. Right. Because it's, it's just so different. Right. And uh, the, the disease progression stayed at Justin's waist and below for a long time. After we're married, you know, we, we, we 
we hear this, it could be ALS. He doesn't think it is. I don't think it is either. We're like, that doesn't seem right. It's just such a bizarre presentation for that kind of disease. And so you kind of hold out hope that it's something else. Mm. And through all that time, we just made a, just a focused effort to spend time together as either he and I, our, he and I and our wives, our families. Uh, and we just had this, I, I would say this foundational idea that, can we have kind of have a, a almost like a catchphrase uh, between he and I? But it's this idea that that my 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 adventures are going to be his adventures and vice versa. Mm. Whether I want to do something that he wants to do, as far as in my heart, that doesn't really matter because he's a part of my heart. That that's what makes me want to be a part of whatever adventure he's looking at, and vice versa. It's yeah. just that mm. intentional pressing in to move down life's paths wherever they take us together. Mm. And so that's that foundation initially. And then with the disease progression and soon we have this, this picture painted before us that we don't know how much time we have together. And he's got this disease that's, you know, taking away his legs. Um, it, it, it definitely shook me. It definitely uh, scared me. Uh, but because of Justin's positivity, I, I was able to maintain, you know, a relatively high level of positivity through it and just be praying for this, that, and the other, you know, as far as whether it's healing or whether it's a cure and just kind of patiently walking through that process together. But where it got really hard, uh, I mean, harder than anything that we had gone through before was when Justin lost his hands. That was in like 2010. Mm. So from 2005-ish to 6-ish, you know, he's in a wheelchair. Soon he's in a you know, manual chair full time, but he can still get around. He can still do art. He can still do all these things that yeah. feed his soul. And then when suddenly all that stuff is taken away, it's like, geez. Oh, wow. Um, so at that point, um, there was kind of a shift for both of us. Justin was dealing with some depression. And uh, I kind of created my own kind of darkness in the, in the face of this, this new paradigm. Mm. Because, you know, I was asking myself these questions that I think anybody would ask themselves, you know, you're, okay, so he's a graphic artist. Suddenly that's taken away. He can't mm. use his hands. Not to mention the fact that he can't hug his kids. He can't, you know, hold his wife's hand anymore. He can't, he can't, he can't, he can't. And it's all I'm doing is playing through these scenarios in my head of all the things that are no longer a part of his future. Wow. And as a result, I became very, very angry. Mm. Uh, I was, I was furious with God. Like, like, how dare you? And I was just pissed off at a God who had failed my friend. He was absent and he was weak. That's what mm. I thought. He was a weak, pathetic God. I went mm. through that for two years as I was praying for a miracle for something and he didn't show up. But what was pinnacle for, I think, both Justin and I's relationship and then where we are now, just in life in general, yeah. was a conversation that happened two years after Justin lost his hands. He was up here in Idaho uh, he's, you know, before he moved back, back to Idaho from San Diego, he and his wife and kids were visiting and a gentleman asked him a question outside of a church service. He said, Hey man, I, if you could have your hands and feet back, would you choose it? And I'm listening to this conversation because I'm eavesdropping some curious what they're talking about. And, uh, the, uh, the first thought in my head is like, this is a stupid question. Mm. Like, why would you ask someone this? But Justin's response was, no, I would not, I would not choose it. I would not take my hands and feet back. And that was like this, like a flip, you know, just the switch in my head flipped. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I had been fighting a battle. He wasn't fighting. Mm. I had made it about what I wanted as opposed to what he needed. Mm. 
And he wasn't looking for healing. He just, I mean, he had accepted this and the miracle had already happened. It wasn't a, mm -hmm. you know, a divine touch to suddenly get up and walk my son. No, it's the grace and the dignity to face that unknown future without fear mm -hmm. and to invite people into that. That's a whole different level of, of God's working. And it's not that picture of, of healing that we, we like to see, but it is so beautiful to be someone that somebody else trusts so completely to invite you into their pain yeah. and to invite you in to be hands and feet in every aspect of their life. And suddenly I see, oh wait, I have a, I'm being given a gift wow. in this relationship, a gift that I could never have otherwise. Um, not that God made Justin suffer. No way. I don't believe that for a second. But he has taken that suffering and turned it to something beautiful. Mm. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. I'm here with author, counselor, and relationship expert, Deborah Faleda. Maybe you remember her from episode 101 and from our Toxic Relationship series. She has written this book called Love in Every Season, Understanding the Four Stages of Every Healthy Relationship. And I've got Deborah here. Deborah, question for you. You say that conflict is key in relationships. Most people try to avoid it, but you think it's key. Can you explain to me why? You know, so many people are afraid of conflict. They see it as the thing to be avoided. They view it as an uncomfortable, difficult, or even unnecessary part of a relationship. But the truth is that without conflict, there can't be a connection. That's why conflict is key. It's actually an important part of a relationship because it's an invitation to draw closer to each other than ever before. So first and foremost, it starts with changing our view of conflict by seeing it as an opportunity to connect in our differences. But secondly, the key to conflict is learning how to use it in a way that brings you closer together, not further apart. That's what I want to unpack with you in Love in Every Season, the nine keys to handling conflict well, because healthy conflict leads to healthy connection. Thank you, Deborah. If you want to purchase this book, you can get it at nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. You know, when I look at, when I look at your relationship, the two of you guys, I see like a David and Jonathan kind of thing, you know, and you're right, Patrick is, it's extremely unique. I mean, that's not, you know, I feel like, especially in this culture today, you know, it's so transient and everybody's in and out of people's lives and in and out of different communities and in and out of, there's, there's not a lot of longevity with people. There's not a lot of long suffering with people, even in the sense of, you know, just walking through normal life together and facing right. awkward, hard difficult conversations or difficult things together. It's like when something difficult happens among friends and community, oftentimes that's the cue for like, okay, I'm going to go find another friend or find another community. Right. And we see that it's so prevalent, even in the church where we're supposed to understand what it's like to sacrifice, sacrifice, you know, ourselves and our own agenda and, and to love each other, put up, put other people's needs in, in front of our own. And yet this, you two, I see a picture of, of you two doing that. Do you feel like that the Justin that your um, that your suffering kind of 
maybe galvanized this relationship and you know it 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 created this like unique thing or was there was this a unique thing because there was you know other things involved other other things at play intentionalities involved um you know that superseded this suffering or or all of the above How, what would you attribute this kind of a relationship to yeah i i would I would definitely say it's been, it's kind of a combination. It's there. It's all of the above. I mean, even before, you know, I started showing symptoms, Pat and I were always spending time together. We're skateboarding, you know, we were, you know, wannabe skateboarders, <laughs> that Tony Hawk era in the mid eighties, Yeah, you know, uh, wanted to be, you know, professional skateboarders and realized that, you know, we were petrified to go off a two foot jump and, and, yeah. you know, it just wasn't <laughs> in our cards in our future. But you know, I, that's so. That was, I think, there was the core, and the the core was already there, mm. and the foundation was already there. Now, I think over time, as things have developed, especially with my disease progression, it has given opportunities for us to galvanize our friendship even further. Mm. So even, I mean, we thought we were close, you know, before. I mean, with going through kind of disease progress and living life together, you know, we go on a crazy 500 mile pilgrimage and then we come even closer. And now we're even closer even still because we travel and work together and, and speak together all the time. Mm. And so we're constantly kind of leaning on each other and pouring into one another and learning from one another. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's why I say it's a combination because it's just, it's, it's, we're intentional. At least I can talk about my perspective. Mm. I'm, I'm intentional with Patrick because he makes me a better man, mm. he makes me a better husband, a better father, a better person overall. And because he gives me insight into a way that I never thought I of seeing life that I couldn't helps mm. me grow, helps me become a better person. Um, I pray to God that I'm hopefully doing the same thing for him. So you are, you are um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I can't speak for you, but, um, but you know, that's, and that's, we are intentional because that's we've learned over our lives together that it's we have so much more fun when we're together mm. it's kind of maybe selfish i guess in a way of that we we get ourselves into all sorts of craziness and fun oh, and stuff and we have, like to have fun together we like to laugh we like to joke we're idiots you know um <laughs> we always say if god can use two idiots like us i mean there's hope for the rest of everybody else yeah. but um, you know, it's, that's, I think what has been the core for, for us is, is laughter is, mm. is loving one, each other, loving each other, because we feel that, you know, us as humans, we all, de we desire to love and we all desire to be known. Mm. Right. So, you know, I love Pat despite of his shortcomings. And he loves me despite of my shortcomings. And that is what I think God has called us into relationship with one another, mm. not only as men, but also with, you know, our wives and our close relatives, our close, close circle of people mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we hopefully just surround ourselves with people that love us <laughs> despite <laughs> our shortcomings. Right. Yeah. Cause we're not perfect. Yeah. I'm not perfect by any means. So you know, Justin, I think you hit something really important there. And you, you mentioned this earlier, Davey, that the, you know, the people can 
walk away when it gets hard, right? You know, mm-hmm. man, I'm going to go find a new friend. I think it's what you said earlier. And we see that. We see that happen. We see it happen in relationships. We see it happen mm-hmm. in marriages. Um, we see it happen in the church. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that really kind of frightens me to a certain degree where the, the human capacity to just yeah. move on to something else as opposed to rest in the pain. And as Justin was talking, I, I made me think of a, there's a, a Rachel Held Evans quote, the one that has like stuck with me for, I mean, ever since the first time I read it, um, she said, but there's a difference between curing and healing. And I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. Mm. We are called to enter into one another's pain, anointed as holy and stick around no matter the outcome. Mm. And uh, that, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But um, that's what the church is called to be. Yeah. You know, I feel like, like in a lot of ways right now, we see a lot of things going on, whether it's in regard to theology or, um, you know, the, the next kind of faddish thing that we, we, uh, we don't stick in the pain. Yeah. We want, we, we want a God that's just going to make it all better and magically wave his wand and say, you know, you're healed or you're given all this money or whatever it is. And that's, that God doesn't exist. That's a God that we created as opposed to being the church that he intended. Yeah. Wow. And man, if we can press into that mentality that regardless of the pain that we're dealing with, the suffering and the, the heartache, that the opportunity to step into someone else's pain and be a part of this story is a gift. Mm. Um, I mean, that's the, that's what Jesus did. That's what he does. Yeah. And to, to have those moments, man, we should, we should run to them as opposed to run from them. Yeah. That's the only way that the world is going to know Jesus, the Jesus that we love and we believe in yeah. is if we press into that pain and run to it as opposed to flee from it. That's so good. You're so right. You know, I feel like that, you know, scripture says they'll know that we're believers by our love. Mm-hmm. They're going to know who Jesus, the world's going to know who Jesus is by how we interact with each other. They're going to know our vertical relationship with our father by our horizontal relationships and our horizontal relationships, unfortunately, are so divided and fractured and chaotic and disjointed. And man, the, the enemy just loves that. But but oh, to yeah. see a picture of, you know, two brothers here, you know, in the spiritual who have fought the, who have fought the good fight, you're, you know, you're there, there, no doubt you've come into some challenges with each other where you, and temptations of saying, man, it just be so easy to just walk away from this. And like, this is struggle. This is hard, but, but you've leaned in instead and you've allowed that to uh, create this beautiful relationship with each other that is shining this light now to show the world this is what the church can be. This is a picture of who we can be to lean in with each other in the midst of our suffering. Patrick, you're you're getting emotional a little bit right now. I hate to put you on the spot, but I, I want to ask what what's kind of stirring underneath that that emotion right now. Um, I sound like a counselor. I'm sorry. I hate that, but like, no, you're fine. no, it's all right. <laughs> I just I'm curious. You know, I think there's some rich stuff that that God maybe is doing in, in you right now. Man, that's, that's a loaded question because there's a lot going on in my head right now. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about the, the, the story behind your podcast, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, why you do what you do. And to all acknowledge that nothing is wasted. This is, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's so much division and so much heartache and pain. And a lot of it is being perpetuated by a variety of individuals right. on every side of every issue, whether it's political, whether it's social justice, whether it's the church, people try to embrace extremes for whatever reason. They, 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 they flee from, from conversation where we can sit down face to face and have, you know, 
have discourse and, and, but learn from one another. Why do you believe what you believe? Help me understand your perspective. And there's so much beauty that happens in those conversations to be able to sit with someone, like sit across from someone mm. who thinks something completely different than I do politically, but to shut my mouth and listen to what they have to say so mm. I can understand what makes them tick. Um, and it's that same kind of disease, I'll call it, that's what it is. It's a yeah. disease of discourse and division that is permeating our, our families, whether it's, it's a family unit in a home, you know, between a husband and wife or parents and kids mm. or, you know, brothers and sisters that live, you know, in different areas of the country. We wind up on different sides of different issues because we aren't embracing the words of Jesus the way we should. Yeah. Um, and it's painful. It's painful to watch. If we, 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 we try to press into scripture. We try and press into time with God to, to help us understand all the stuff that is a part of this, this journey of mm. life. You know, I, here, here's, here's what I have to say. Uh, did you by chance see the Stephen Colbert and the Anderson 360 or um, interview? No, I haven't okay. seen that one. No, it's a brilliant interview, but the part that just that has, has hung with me is mm. um, Stephen Colbert is talking about suffering. Mm. And he says something along the line, I'm going I'm to butcher his quote, but something mm. on the lines that it, it's a gift to exist. I mean, God mm. has given us a gift in our existence, but with existence comes suffering. Yeah. Um, and while he would absolutely love the painful things that have happened to him to never have happened, he's grateful for them because they give him a perspective where he can press into someone else's suffering because of what he's experienced. Wow. So taking that and, and kind of setting that right in line with, the words of Jesus in Matthew 22, when you know the Pharisees trying to test him on his knowledge, you know what's the greatest commandment, right? Mm -hmm. And it's you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where we kind of stop reading scripture a lot of times. But he goes on to say in the very next you know sentence, Jesus says, all the teachings of the law and the prophets depend on these two things. Like the entire mm -hmm. Bible, everything, mm -hmm. every word of scripture has to be measured against: Are we demonstrating love? Wow. To not just to God, but to our neighbors. And that suffering piece that when we can press into that suffering, we, we can own it and not be afraid of it, be vulnerable and invite people into our own pain while we press into theirs. That's where that love can flourish. That's mm. where that, that the, the real picture. And I, I don't want to say that, I mean, it's not fair for me, for me to say, because who am I to say you know, what I know about God? I mean, mm. he's, he's so much bigger than my mind could possibly, you know, <laughs> trying to wrap things around. But there's a there's a picture of what heaven's gonna be like in those kind of moments yeah, where we're right. loving people in their pain. Right. Like, I mean, there's no doubt it's a it's a destination, but it's an existence here and now. Yeah, that we have a gift to participate in, and we can only participate it when we going back to that suffering. When we love people as God loves us in that pain. Mm. That's that's it. That's and that's that's the foundation of the church. At least it should be. And if it's wow. not, then the church then you're off. That wow. has to be where we start the cornerstone mm. you just and like, i think there's yeah, go ahead, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry Davey, there's yeah. i want to kind of add to that real quick there is actually a flip side to that um mm. is that in order for that to exist you also have to be willing to receive love mm. so so yeah speak to in our in our friendship you know when patrick has pressed into me and and and, and helped pick me up when i've been when i needed it mm -hmm. um you know, he, it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have said, you know, and not to say that I have all the answers, but I'm just saying that this is in our experience that, you know, it, if it wouldn't have happened, if I would have just 
put my arms out, you know, arms length and said, no, I'm good. Mm. You know, don't, don't bother with me or whatever. And, you know, in order for, for suffering to really, for people to walk through that together, the person who is going through that suffering Mm -hmm. needs to realize that it really is an opportunity for God to work and to, and to get to work and, and to help manage that suffering as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's taken from the perspective, like when we talked about earlier, it's not about God looking down from the heavens going, yep, you're going to suffer and you're going to suffer. It's not that at all. It just happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but when it does happen, when you let others love you and support you, then I tell you, it's truly amazing what happens. Wow. You guys just, I don't, you may, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but I just heard you guys describe this beautiful metaphor that, that is parallel to your story in that there is a degenerative disease in the body of Christ known as discord. Absolutely. This is the disease, this is the fracturing that has happened in our, in in the universe because Satan, he's comes in to divide. He comes in to try to create these schisms where he can pit brother against brother and, you know, father against mother. And, 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 and he, and he's, that's his work is to constantly try to divide, divide, divide. And yet what you guys are doing, and I'm just, you know, to, just speak to what the, the beauty of the message that you guys are carrying is that you are holding out display of this is what the body of Christ could and should look like that can be a cure for this disease. This, this is what community, this is how community holds together, is the body of Christ and holds together the body of Christ despite the degenerative disease that Satan has plagued against the body of Christ. And it's a powerful thing, man. Like that, like I believe the message that you guys are carrying uh, can and will be just a very healing thing to the body of Christ. And Justin, that God is is using this in in you to be able to give voice to that kind of a message and speak to the body. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I think we're still trying to figure it out as we're going, moving okay. through things. I mean, we're not, I'm like you're, still, you're just figuring Pat, it out. <laughs> I, I mean, we, uh, he just said it. We cannot comprehend what yeah. God has in store for us. We, we don't have that capacity or we don't, you know, or at right. least I don't feel like we do, but you know, and it's not like we're, we set out to be like, yep, we got this mm-hmm. friendship and everyone needs to know about it. No, that's not the way it happened. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, we, we do dumb stuff and, uh, and God was using it for some greater purpose other than us. And we've had to learn along the way, Yeah, you know, but along the way we have learned that it is those imprints that mm. we can leave on one another. Um, you know, Patrick has left many, you know, in my life, there are other people that have poured into to me at, at very strategic points along the way. Mm. And I know Patrick can, to speak to many situations in his life. And I bet you, you can, ex- I mm-hmm. bet you there's people in your life that have poured into you and, and have uh, either said something or done something uh, with you or supported you along the way yeah. that have left an imprint on your life. And so um, those imprints are the, the way where God can plant those seeds That's right. to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Even as you're saying that, I mean, one of the things that, um, I remember as a pastor, when I was first planting uh, the church that we planted, I was taking our leadership team through this discovery of, 
let's, let's look at how your spiritual journey has progressed in your life. And I asked them this one question. I said, list five people that made a profound impact in your spiritual journey. And everybody could list five people easily, easily. <clears throat> they couldn't tell you five messages, five sermons. No. They couldn't tell you any, but they could tell you five people who left <clears throat> these massive imprints. And this is the book that you guys have just released. It's called Imprints where you guys talk a little bit about this. Can you tell me some of the, I mean, obviously we've talked maybe a little bit about some of the inspiration of that, but talk to me about the inspiration of writing this book. Sure. You know, uh, it's a, it's a, a, a inspiration, I guess, or a, 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 the momentum behind the book coming to fruition has been a, a, a very long journey. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back, I didn't realize at the time when I was talking through ideas with Justin, how long it had been in the making. Uh, but you know, we, after we took our 500 mile trek through Spain, you know, uh, across the community of Santiago, we write a book about that movie comes out. We have all this kind of new life of, you know, work we're speaking, mm -hmm. um, and, and moving around the, you know, the country and sometimes even, you know, out of the country, meeting people from all over the world, we get into these different conversations and, uh, and the, I don't want to say there's just two buckets of conversations that we can put everything into, but two major buckets is one, we get into conversations with some of these influencers, mm -hmm. people who are you know, CEOs of nonprofits, or maybe it's a for-profit company that has a huge arm that's doing good you know, somewhere in the mm -hmm. world. And you get in conversations with people that are maybe your attendees at a conference. And they're two very different scenarios because you're having a conversation with you know, X person you know, is putting freshwater wells in third world mm -hmm. countries or someone who's equipping you know, these, uh, inner city, uh, you know, areas with education and resources, whatever it might be. And you ask them what inspires them to do what they do. And every single time they point back to the way the compassion, grace, and mercy were remodeled for them when they were kids, hmm. every time, like there's, 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 there's one or two stories that they, they turn to like immediately, like, Oh man. And we're kind of, that's kind of resonating in our minds. And then we have conversations with people that are like, how do I, how do I make a difference in the world? I'm one person. Hmm. I'm one individual. How, how does what I do even matter? And it's like, oh, 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 okay, let's talk about this. Because last week or last month, I had a conversation with someone who is doing amazing things and they pointed back to someone just like you. Hmm. You know, and that hmm. was kind of the, the seed planting, the ideas for imprints, the, the evidence our lives leave behind. At every moment we are leaving some type of imprint in the lives of others, for good or for yeah. ill. And so let's take a step back and not look at our lives in particular, but look at, at all the people that we've met and try and glean from their stories, who has shaped them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these stories point to someone's life being shaped in a single moment. Like mm -hmm. one decision has changed the trajectory for somebody else. Yeah. And that's people, you know, in their own backyard. Right. And so that's the, the, the kind of the, the inspiration behind this book is, man, like I want people to see Justin, you know, I know he feels the same way. We want people to see that every moment is the opportunity for something sacred. It's the opportunity mm -hmm. to change someone's life for the better. There, there are no wasted moments. Yeah. Wow. Or they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. But we have to be intentional about what we say, what we do, and who we say and do them to. Yeah. Um, because someone is always watching. And that means that we are always taking someone down a path. Mm -hmm. We need to acknowledge that and be mindful of where we're taking them. That's so good. This is kind of like that, the old adage, you know, I mean, it's kind of the, uh, you know, Billy Graham, the whole line of how Billy Graham got saved. 
You know, you, you guys familiar with that? I don't remember every single person that was bit. in that line, yeah. but it was like, it started with this Sunday school teacher, you know, and then and that person influenced this person who influenced this person who influenced this person who influenced and led Billy Graham to the Lord. And it's like these little micro yeah. imprints, so to speak, that have this macro impact in the yeah. world. Yeah. What, what, what a cool concept. If I may, that same kind of concept, we were down in Nicaragua not too long ago with Compassion International. Yeah. And the story of how Compassion winds up there okay. is, is crazy. And, and it's I'm unreal. We were, cry, we were crying when they were telling <laughs> like so crazy. So, 17 years ago, whatever it's been, I can't yeah. remember how long it is. I'm mean, if the date's wrong, uh, the year's wrong. Somewhere around there, yeah. But it's a kid who has, who's an influent uh, family and the, uh, one of the, the gals that's hired by the family is taking care of this kid and she's from Nicaragua. Hmm. And the long story short of it is that like he, to her taking care of him, he falls in love with just kind of her culture and who she is. And it's basically, he sits down and he, it's through his massive donation of money that gets the, 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 the ball rolling. Wow. Or compassion to be in, in Nicaragua. That's wow. how it got there was because of this one woman who poured into him as a kid. And he's like, I want to pour back into the culture she came from. And now there's hundreds of thousands of kids that are having, you know, that are being pulled out of extreme poverty because of one lady's time with a yeah. kid yeah. more than a decade ago. Wow. It's like you can never underestimate the, the power of a single moment. I mean, our decision yeah. in any moment in time can change the world for one, two, five, ten, mm-hmm. a thousand, a million. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, and I'll, I mean, we even, while we were there, we even got to witness one firsthand. I mean, it was, it blew, it leveled us. I mean, we were, you know, hanging out with these kids. Um, we were over a series of uh, a few different days. And one day we went uh, adaptive surfing. Pat put me, you know, on a surfboard and, you know, shoved me into some waves and, it wasn't pretty, but made it happen. Uh, anyway, so we were hanging out there. I saw you there. have your rip curl hat on. I was like, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so we were, anyway, we were with this, um, Pastor Carlos was pastor of this, um, this village, this, I mean. Tiny church, yeah. Village is a very loose term, if you want to put it that way. And what they, um, we were, when he went with us, he was wearing long pants, long shirt belt, you know, keys on his belt, shoes, the whole deal. And we were in, we go to the pool to hang out with the kids. And as, as out of nowhere, Pastor Carlos gets in mm. fully clothed. He took his phone out, but like fully clothed, just jumps in the pool. And we were just like, just besides ourselves, beside ourselves. Like, why, why would he do that? Why would he just jump in fully clothed? I mean, just like, he looked like he was in a suit, like a business suit. <laughs> just jump. I mean, it, it just jumped in, and we were playing. And so we we got the chance to talk with him afterwards. And um, he he what he said, Pat. He said something. Uh, Pat had a, a. He could probably say it clearer than I can. Sure. He interviewed him. Yeah. Well, we we kind of talk about that moment, and he he digs into how he used to be an alcoholic and he lived in, in the dumps of Nicaragua. That's where he's, you know, searched for food. And when he was a, a drunkard, as he would say, it was translated, you know, through, through a um, Spanish to English. So I'm trying to keep up with him as he's right. rattling off his story, but that, that no one, no one, you know, was there for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was broken and he was lonely when he finds, you know, God, now he's a pastor and he's like, no one should be alone in the pain. 
No one should be alone in their suffering. Like I, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're covered in filth in the dumps. Like I, I'm going to embrace you as God embraces mm. me. And he talked about that day. He's like, you know, today was a day of rejoicing. I wasn't mm. going to miss out on a rejoicing with the kids. So I jumped in the pool. <laughs> but, yeah. Boom. Blew our minds. Wow. Like, just, you know, just, yeah, yeah. that mindset, that mindset Unreal. is amazing. Amazing. It's just, and, and it, when you see that, That's awesome. it's infectious. You're like, yeah. I, what can I do this like that? Yeah. Whose life can I jump into and be and rejoice with on them? both or, sides of the well, equation? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Man, you know, just in this this imprints thing, I'm really curious from your perspective because I I feel like there are so many people who, you know, they they step into their trial, whatever it is, whether it's uh you know progressive degenerative disease or whether it's the loss of somebody or what you know, and they begin to have this self talk that now their life is wasted. What is this? Right. And of course, our podcast is called Nothing is Wasted. So I don't want to sound cliche, but what's really cool about this imprints thing is I have to imagine that despite some of those wrestlings and even what you said, sometimes even in these dark places of some suicidal thoughts, that, that you're able to and beginning to adopt this mentality of, you know, if I just, if I keep leaning into this and letting God show up, then I could have an impact make an imprint in somebody's life that has this ripple effect that supersedes anything that you could have physically done while you're here on this earth. Has that been resonating inside of you? Is that kind of some motivation that's coming from you in this? What's your perspective of this idea of imprints? You know, I don't really see it. I don't know if I see it quite that way. I don't know if I see it as like, I'm here and I'm going to be making imprints on people's lives. Mm. I don't think it that way. I'm actually flipped. I'm still trying to figure things out and keep working mm. through the challenges that I have. Yeah. And I need those people in my life to keep making an impact, you know, an imprint on mine. And then, mm. and if somebody ends up seeing something out of my story or, or our journey together as Patrick and I, our friendships and our marriages, um, you know, Kate takes W O R K, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just good old elbow grease to get in there and, mm -hmm. and keep, trudging through when times are tough and celebrate like pastor Carlos did when, when things are awesome. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if somebody sees something in that, then, um, then great. Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm happy. I feel, I feel blessed. It's not, it's not my mission. It's not like I'm trying to go out there and, um, and, you know, I don't know it's not every day I, I look at it that way. I mean, things that we're doing, like speaking and telling our story of what we've been through with our journey uh, and the way that we see life. Um, I guess it's, it makes it more in the forefront right. because we're, we're out there sharing it. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't really approach it as like, I have all the answers or Patrick mm -hmm. has all the answers. Cause we absolutely do not. Yeah. We do not. Uh, we, we just believe in, in why what we, you know, why we do something, not how we do it. Right. So, you know, I'm always trying to keep myself open to people pouring into me and making me a better mm. person. And, and, and that is in, in the last several years, it's been our life group. Uh, mm. we have an amazing life group that Patrick and I are part of. I'm um, up until, was it like, has it been like five years, Pat? Four, it's five years. 14. It's, it's five years. Five, five years now. Right so, now. Yeah, five years uh, is when we started. It happened organically, and we have uh, us. We have a group of friends. There's like eight couples. Eight couples. Eight yep. couples that 
that we love one another and we support one another. And those people continually make an imprint in my life. I mean, they, mm. and, you know, and that hopefully I try to look at every single day as how I can make an imprint on others in a very basic way. Not as like, I'm going into, you know, like I'm going into Home Depot and I'm like, I'm going to make an imprint on somebody's yeah. life today. It's not that I, I approach it that way. It's more of just like simple things. Like yeah. if a wait, if a waiter or waitress is at your table, a server, ask them their name. Mm. Who are you? You know, hi, how are you doing? Hi, Beth. Nice to meet you today. Yeah. Hope yeah. you're having a wonderful day, mm. you know, and just try to, just be Jesus to them as much, as best as to the ability that I can. And there's days that I fail mm. uh, and days that I wish I could, you know, take back. But, you know, when we wrote imprints, it was, it's not all chapters about Patrick and I, there's mm. only a couple, a few that are about Five, yeah. our own, our own personal stories. The rest are other people that we've met wow. that we've interviewed and we've, I've learned from them. Mm -hmm. So, it's a, whenever I, I, I read our own book, it, it's a great reminder. Mm. It's a great um, book that helps kind of say, oh yeah, I don't need to be planting wells in Africa. Well, or putting wells in Africa. You can do that if you'd like. Most people, that's not a reality, mm. right? So, you know, how can we remind people that, yeah, there's everyday little things that we can do to, to share God's love and spread God's love and make it and hopefully make a debt yeah. through that. That's incredible. Well, uh, before we sign off on the, the, um, this conversation, I want to make sure that we let the listener know where we can find the book. But, but first I'm, I'm really, I'd love for you guys to just briefly speak to these, the accessible Caminos that you guys are doing, because <laughs> what I love about yeah. your story is that you have, you've decided, you know what, I'm not going to, not just going to take an adventure myself and, you know, kind of like, uh, blast through the limitations that, that life has thrown on me in this, in this suffering, but I'm also going to empower other people to do it as well. And, and mm -hmm. there's a message to that. Can you tell me a little bit about right. this? Yeah. You know, we'll do it in two parts. I'll take the first part and okay. then Pat, you can wrap up a second. I'll be as, as quick as possible. You know, when we came back from our 500 mile pilgrimage, you know, we took a documentary crew with us. If people aren't familiar with that and, uh, we have a, uh, movie and book both called I'll push you. And as we came through that, that whole kind of movie release and book release and all that, you know, people just started reaching out to us and mm -hmm. saying, uh, Hey, I saw that you did it, did the Camino in a wheelchair. How do you do it? Mm -hmm. Or what can I, you know, what are, you know, what's your, you know, can you talk to me about, you know, Hey, lodging and this and that, blah, 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 mm -hmm. like kind of the technical details. Right. And we just, if we could, we try to do the best to our abilities just to spend time with people talking. If it's a Skype call or if it's a phone call or email, whatever, just answering questions. And after about our like our seventh or eighth call, <laughs> we were finally, and this was last year, about May, mm -hmm. uh, May, you know, April, May-ish. I got off the call and <laughs> I finally dawned on me. I was like, maybe we should do something about this. <laughs> and maybe, you know, again, if, if God can use two thick headed knuckleheads like us, then, you know, there's hope for everybody. But, um, I was like, Pat, I, what, you know, we got to do something. So we reached out to one of our, um, our sponsors that helped us to call Camino Ways out of Ireland. And we said, Hey, we want to take some people with wheelchairs on the Camino and how do we do it? Or, you know, like, what can we, you know, when you, when you do one, 
I mean, let's just flat out say it's not accessible by any means <laughs> of the stretch of the imagination. There's, I mean, we had a very small handful of accessible rooms about, I mean, yeah. if that, a lot of it was just troubleshooting day by day. Right. And, um, and so, you know, we know that there's challenges, you know, me living in a chair every day, I travel a lot. I know what is involved with it. Mm-hmm. Patrick knows very intimately what's involved with it as well, because he, we travel together and he knows, like he knows very, he knows. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we reached out and, and we you know, took several months to figure it out, but then we um, offered the group and maybe Pat can talk about from there. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the group kind of came together. We, uh, we put it out there. We have an overwhelming response of people that are interested, both as individuals that want to go that have limited mobility, as well as uh, individuals that want to help. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, our first one, we've got, you know, 10 people in chairs, one gal who's visually impaired, who's a downhill skier, mind you, which is nuts. Wow. Uh, yeah. all different kinds of, of disabilities, if you want to call it that, you know, some people have you know, suffers spinal fractures, you know, from different accidents. Um, maybe it's a uh, extreme form of cerebral palsy. Um, one gal has just a vicious case of arthritis from, uh, um, when she's very young and it's just huge wow. joints. But uh, all these people are looking for ways to just live life fully. Mm-hmm. And we've been given this, really it's a gift, you know, this whole journey we've been on, we, we want to share it with people. Yeah. And that's an opportunity to do so. And so, yeah, we've got, when you this fall, we have two more next spring. Um, looking at a third one, uh, that will, well, third, third and fourth one, the following fall, uh, just because people, they want to go, they want to do it. So we're going to make it possible as long as people want to go. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and I'll clarify, it's not the full 500 miles. That would no, be, no. It would be very, very difficult, <laughs> um, especially with the amount of people we're taking. So yeah. we're doing the last, what's called the 100, 111 kilometers. Okay. So that's the, the minimum distance you can do to get your uh, certificate of completion. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's God's using this. And, you know, we, we don't know how, to be honest with you, we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, yeah. But everyone is willing to step in and, and and be a part of something awesome. That's awesome. So, yet again, you know, you just never know where life's going to lead you yeah. through these challenges. And we've always seen ourselves as 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 to the best of our abilities, seed planters. You know, mm. um, we're not going to go thump somebody over the head with a Bible and say you need to become a Christian or you're going to hell. Like that's just not our mm. thing. Um, and that's just the far farthest from it. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that are going with us are, they're non-believers mm-hmm. at all. And they have no faith background or maybe a little faith background or, or maybe a very rough road they've been on. Yeah. And so we're, uh, you know, going into it as community and just trying to love everyone through it. And wow. it's been amazing thus far. That's awesome, so, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I love that heart. I love the idea. I love the heart. It's, it's so cool. Guys, tell us where, where can we find the book imprints just released where can we pick that up? Yeah, you just go to the URL was uh, imprintsbook.com. So I M P R I N T S B O O K.com. And uh, when we kind of came out with a book, we were thinking, man, we, we, want, we want just a book. Yeah. You know, you, you pick up a book at the store or whatever, you know, <laughs> and read it. And it's, it's, it's interesting and it's fun, you know, if you get a good book. But I don't know about you, uh, but when I read a book, I, I want to kind of get into the author's heads. Yeah. I, I want to know more. And so we want to give that opportunity to anybody that does, you know, pick up the book. And so we've got a bunch of, you call them bonuses, you know, free materials, 
um, that are available at that URL. We've got a discussion guide, chapter by chapter, kind of digging into the meat of why we think the way we do mm-hmm. and helping someone kind of walk that journey of understanding how some of these stories have impacted us and maybe get them to dig into how uh, different people have impacted them. Mm. Um, there's a bonus chapter, actually a chapter that tells the story of Pastor Carlos that Justin brought up earlier. Um, mm. That whole story is in there. Uh, it's just amazing. I think the piece that we're both most excited about though is uh, a thing we put together called Raising Compassionate Kids. Mm. And uh, the uh, the idea behind that is, okay, we have this this book, um, you know, that's, that's written for adults but how do you take those same concepts? How do you take the same ideas and make them accessible for kids? Mm, that's great. Uh, and so taking chapter by chapter and distilling it down, not distilling it, just changing it, I guess, right. into an activity. But it's, it's a date your kids guide. Really, yeah. that's what it is. It's 17 different dates you can take on. You know, take your nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, grandkids, a kid you're mentoring, whatever it is, and just get into these conversations of how you can um, – cultivate compassion and grace and mercy in their lives. Wow. So they'll turn around and do the same thing for somebody else. And, uh, it's, uh, it's all there. That's and awesome. Man, that's awesome. Guys, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you for your, your vulnerability. Thank you for your story. Thank you for what you're doing and the message you're carrying in the world right now. Thanks man. Thanks yeah, man. for thank what you. you're doing too, man. You're doing, yeah. you're doing work in that too. And so mm-hmm. thank you so much for having us and appreciate yeah. how you're doing, man. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I love, 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 love that <laughs> episode from Patrick and Justin. I'm so inspired. I want to be a really good friend now. <laughs> it, I, I got, I got choked up. I yeah. got inspired. I texted my best friend. Like it was just really, really good. And one of my, the things that I wrote down, like he said, like the disease of discourse and division. And <sighs> just like we were talking about earlier, it was this piece of like, when we choose to not lean into our own vulnerability and choose that skill set of empathy, yeah. We we choose to buy into the lie mm-hmm. that we're divided, that we're too different, that we can't right. help each other, right. you know. And I think that's such an important piece, especially in the culture that we're living yes. in right now. Oh my goodness, there there are two meta narratives that are driving our culture. They're running parallel simultaneously, and we get to choose which one we want to be a part of. We have the meta narrative of division, and it's all over. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place right now. It's it's permeated um, our race conversations. It's permeated our sexual orientation conversations. It's permeated our political conversations. It's all about, well, they're on that side. I'm on this side. We there's no way we can have conversation. No. Or and we, that and we're not gonna heal that way. No, not at all. We're not and gonna so, heal. So what I would suggest is that we figure out ways to, and I know this is way better, way easier said than done, but figure out ways to lean into the the unity meta narrative the the where we begin to seek to understand each other where we ask right. questions where we get curious where we we learn the skill of empathy and mm-hmm. um and I think that begins by the everyday little practices that you have to do that with the people around you your yes. friends right yes. now Yep. And to sit beside someone who looks different thinks different yeah. and believes different than you and ask for them to help you understand what their life so is good. like without, because that's how, without the motivation of trying to convince them otherwise. Yeah. Correct. You know, like, that, like my job's not to convince you to come no. to my side. I want to be, especially as a Christ follower, 
I want to seek to understand you. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. Well, again, Patrick and Justin, thank you so much for sharing that with us, inspiring us and um, challenging us in, in that vein of thought. And uh, we also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream all of his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. And um, I like, I'm really bummed about this, but we're, <laughs> we're no, we have to say goodbye to later. Justine. <laughs> Justine, I mean, honestly, you have just added tremendous value over the past four weeks. Thank you. And so thank you. I know I speak on behalf of all of our listeners too, that we're really encouraged and inspired by the voice that that God's given you in this world. And even though it's come through unique trials and hardships, um, you're definitely God's woman for the arena that you play in. And so it's really Thank cool you. to see. I'm excited about um, continuing the journey along parallel with you and seeing what God does. Um, me too. For all of your work. Thank you for having me. I loved this. Oh, absolutely. Well, next week, uh, you guys are in for a treat. We're going to begin for next month. We have a guest co-host, Maria Hatch Bowersock. You guys may remember Maria. Um, she was in episode 64. So she'll be joining me to guest co-host for uh, the entire month of April. And before we sign off, I want to let Justine have the last voice. You have the well, last for- word on this one. For my last outro, join us Uh, next week um, for Nona Jones. And we want to uh, give you a little sneak peek of her interview. My mom moved us. We were in New Jersey. She moved us to Florida uh, away from all of our family. And she um, was following after a guy she barely knew. And that relationship ended shortly after she moved. But uh, over the course of a couple years, a bunch of men just kind of came in and out of her life and in and out of my life. And I remember it was almost like a parade until um, one day she settled on this guy who became her live-in boyfriend. And, um, you know, from an early age, I was probably about four, four and a half when he moved in. Um, I just, I I didn't feel comfortable around him. I remember uh, he would hold me too close to his body for too long and it just made me uncomfortable. And then one day um, I was in kindergarten and uh, my mom, uh, her sister passed away. So she had to go back to New Jersey. She came to me and she said, Hey, I'm going to leave you with him and uh, I'll be back in a few days. And I remember saying to her, you know, mommy, please don't leave me. You know, I'll be good. Um, I won't ask for anything. I, I, I'll, I'll just, I'll be good. And she said, I can't afford another plane ticket. So you're going to have to stay here. And that very first night that she was gone, um, I, I locked my bedroom door because, um, I just knew that I needed that barrier between me and him to be safe. But I learned that a straightened wire hanger could actually pick the lock. I learned that night um, that he could unlock my door. And that was the, the first time that uh, I was sexually assaulted by him. 